Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host and owner, Justin Jackson. Don't forget, you can find the podcast on iTunes and Spotify, well, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and share it to the podcast, along with following and turning on the post notifications for Just In Time Sports social media. That is on TikTok, that is on Instagram, that is on Twitter, and that is on Facebook. Now, today's topics will include the NBA, what's happening in the playoffs, and a little offseason news for some teams. We have the NFL, including a draft recap and some offseason news there, and we'll have our best for last. Now, if you're a returning person, you know what I'm about to say, but if you're new here, sit back and get ready to learn something. Excited to be here with you guys this afternoon, recording this at about 5.30 local central time, um, about an hour and a half before Boston Philly tips off for their very important game too. As always, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and share to the Justin Times Boy Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And as always, don't forget to follow at JTime Sports, which is the Justin Times Sports social media handle, I repeat at J Time Sports, and that will get you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Highlights, updates, all that. So like I said, recording this right before Boston Philly tips off. Um, but we're going to start off actually with the NBA, of course. It's the playoffs. It's the conference semifinals. We're going to start off actually in the West. And we're going to discuss, because the West to me, let's be honest, people, it's the more interesting conference right now. Um, we knew that coming in. We knew that the West was going to be the more interesting, more competitive, more fiery, more storyline conference. We knew that coming into the playoffs, and there's not had, and the West has not disappointed. Um, obviously, in the first round, we were talking about several teams, several very good teams are going to uh, be gone in that first round, and we saw that with the Clippers. We saw that um, with Memphis because – you know, it was teams can teams have to advance, right? And so, some very good teams were going to be left behind, and we saw that with Memphis and the Clippers. Um, Minnesota didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Honestly, that should have been New Orleans' spot, and they they might have made it a little more interesting on Denver, maybe five or six. Um, and I don't remember who the other team was in the playoffs. Two perfect counters with you. Um, oh, the Warriors took out the Kings. Now the Kings was a damn good team too. Um, they just ran into a buzzsaw called fifty points, Steph Curry. Um, and there was nothing they could do about it at all. Um, and so the Kings were at home, but the Kings have a lot to build on. We'll talk about them actually a little later. Um, but we're starting off with Denver and the Phoenix Suns. I told you guys, I don't remember what podcast episode it was. I really don't, but I told you guys when the Phoenix Suns made the Kevin Durant trade and they sent Mikhail Bridges to Brooklyn, they sent Cam Johnson to Brooklyn. Um, They sent something else to Brooklyn. They sent picks to Brooklyn. I said, that's a bad decision. And they didn't get a big back. They didn't pull, I think Brooklyn, in hindsight, do the trade, pull another big back. Um, Or Phoenix says, okay, we'll send you Bridges. We'll send you Johnson. 
We'll add some second round picks if you send us whoever the backup big is for Nick Claxton. And if for no other reason then to give those guys another guy off the bench that they could uh, potentially roll in there. And I spoke about it. And I spoke about the Phoenix's bench. I said, who's on the bench? I said, okay, that you 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 know your four starters. You know Chris Paul. You know Devin Booker. You know Kevin Durant. You know DeAndre Aiden. Who's your fifth starter? And in the playoffs, who's your sixth, seventh, and eighth man? I'm like, you're going to struggle in games in the playoffs when it slows down, the minutes get higher, the physicality goes up. I'm, I was like, you don't play defense because your best two defenders are now on the nets. You don't really rebound well, and you have no bench. That is a recipe for a disaster in the playoffs. I had a second round exit in that. I was called insane. Immediately, Phoenix shoots to the top of the NBA championship picture. Everybody's raving about Phoenix. Oh, my God, how could a team with that four possibly lose in the playoffs? And I said, nope, second round and out. And I said, depending on the matchup, they might go first, but no later than the second round. Because I said, whoever gets to that second round will be battle-tested. At that time, um, I didn't really believe in the Lakers all the way yet. So I said, maybe they get like a Lakers, they might put them out and kind of stretch it. Um, you know, maybe you get to a situation where Phoenix gets a break and they end up in the conference finals, but they're not they're not winning the West. And they're going to run into one of these teams that play defense, that rebound the ball well, and are deeper than them, and they're going to lose. And also, I spoke about Phoenix. I said the same thing with Philly. While Philly can't win the championship, while Phoenix is not going to win the championship, you're, you're asking for too many outliers to not happen. Yes, for too many outliers to happen. So we're going to start off, again, we're going to adjust Philly in a minute, but we're going to start off with Phoenix, of course. You're asking for DeAndre Aiden to give you aggression, to be dominant center presence, because you really don't have a big. So when he comes by backup big, so when he comes off the floor, you're going small. You know what I'm saying? It's not a situation where you have a backup big just hanging around, lying around. Oh, we're going, Aiden's gone. You know, we're going to bring in, um, we're going to bring in some somebody who's going to give us a good, hard, three-minute stretch here. It's going to work. A Tristan Thompson, for instance. We're going to adjust him with the Lakers. But it was the Lakers. I mean, I know the Lakers roster probably the best out of anybody. But even a DeAndre Jordan is somebody who can take Aiden off the floor, keep some size, you know, five-minute burst here. Aiden's tired, two fouls in the first half or something. Give him a three-, four-minute break. Something. And you're depending on Aiden being that dominant guy because there's nobody else to roll in there. You're depending on Kevin Durant to not get hurt and to stay aggressive. One of those two things is never going to happen. You're depending on Chris Paul to not get hurt. And you're depending on Devin Booker to not get into a personal one-on-one game with somebody and lose you a series. Because Devin Booker has never really put it together to make the run. I mean, Phoenix made the run to the finals, but that was pretty much because Chris Paul went full-on maestro and almost got them to a NBA finals and Giannis went nuclear in game seven and won it. But Chris Paul almost maestroed them to the NBA to the championship. And I believe if they would have won Chris Paul's finals MVP. Um and the sun came up, there's death, there's taxes, and Chris Paul got hurt in the playoffs. And that's what I'm saying about Phoenix. Your margins for error, I didn't think if even fully healthy, they were gonna get out of the second round. They had no bench. It got exacerbated worse in the Clippers series because it took you six, it took you longer than it should have without Kawhi and Paul George to deal with the Clippers, and the games were close. 
So Booker and KD are playing high minutes. So you don't even get the relief of that situation. You don't even get the relief of getting those guys out playing 30, 31 minutes and beating them in five and whatever. You're playing those guys average of 40 minutes plus. Then you turn right around and, you, again, you have no rebounding, you have no defense, and you have no bench. Let's flip it to the Nuggets side. They got rebounding. They got Green. They got Jokic. They got Gordon. Murray come get some. Michael Porter Jr. come and get them. KCP will come get them. They got defense. Jokic don't play a lick of defense, although he's a plus defender. But, look, but Jokic is not what you would call a defensive presence. Neither is Jamal Murray. But they got some guys on that team that plays defense. Aaron Gordon plays hard on defense. Michael Porter Jr.'s length bothers people every once in a while. KP plays, KCP plays legitimate defense. And I'm sure I forget. I think Barton's over there. Like, Barton plays legitimate defense. And they have a bench. I've named you eight or nine different players on Denver. Like, it is the exact opposite of what the Phoenix Suns is. And they got a 4-2. Phoenix healthy is Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Eight. That's two and a half All-Stars. The Nuggets rolling healthy. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Jokic. Aaron Gordon was an All-Star every year in the East that came to the West. Jokic was a two-time MVP, back-to-back. Michael Porter Jr. was the number one high school player in his class. Barely played in high school, barely played in college with a back problem and still win the lottery. When he's right, he's a 20-point-per-game guy. And then, of course, there's Jamal Murray. Pretty much every year he's healthy, he's at least an all-star consideration and is rumored as a snub. It is a considered, not rumored, considered a snub every year in the all-star game. If he doesn't make it himself. All-NBA level guard. And then you add in a KCP. And then you add in these other guys, and it's like, Denver's deep, man. Denver's like giving people hell. Michael Porter Jr. out with a bag. Jamal Murray with an ACL. Aaron Gordon getting beat up. Like, they're going to be giving people hell when it's pretty much been Jokic and Gordon. And now you add in the other two. Denver's good, man. Denver's a damn good basketball team. I think Denver puts them on five. I didn't give a prediction beforehand. That's kind of why I wanted to get in early on these series. I mean, all the rest of the series only play, well, the Knicks and Heat play two. But all the rest of these series only play two that really matter. Play one game. Um, I think Denver gets them on five. I think Phoenix gets one. At uh, Footprint Arena in uh, Arizona, in Phoenix. I think Denver holds serve at home. Stays one of the game in Phoenix. Comes out, puts the Suns out in five. Because uh, Chris Paul's out at least a week with his hamstring injury. Uh, and with that being said, it, it puts it, it puts you in a bad spot. Um, because now, campaign is your point guard. Do they have Landry Shamit? I'm not sure. But maybe Landry Shamit's there. Like... You know, campaign's your point guard now. He just, he might even be your point guard. TJ Warren's getting the ball more. Booker and Kevin Durant not have to peel back some of their scoring aggressiveness because now they have to kind of play massive point guard. And unless you're just going to go isolation ball with those two and just say, Aiden, get it off the rim. Like, Chris Paul being injured again, it puts a serious damper on the Phoenix Suns. In my opinion, already slim to none chances. Now it's a none to none because one of the things I said, you're counting on not to happen, which would be an outlier for it not to happen, happened. So, Chris Paul's injury, like I said, that um, it's not a hamstring. Oh, it's a it's it's an injury. Growing. It's a growing. My apologies. It's not a hamstring. It's a growing. Out at least a week. I think your series is over in a week. They play every other day. I, I don't think Chris Paul plays again for the Phoenix Suns possibly ever, but definitely this season. 
Moving on to the most... Actually, we're going we're gonna to save the Warriors and Lakers. We're going to save them. We're actually going to jump conferences, and we're going to go Knicks Heat. So it's, it's the other series that's played two games. A little bit of different format. We're going to go to Knicks Heat. Um, this game is, a, is the Eastern Conference battle. It's a slugfest. Game one, you have a reverse Willis Reed happening. Jimmy Butler's cooking him early. Gets hurt. Turns ankle really, really badly. He can barely walk. He goes stand in the corner for the rest of the game and just distracts the Knicks defense. Meanwhile, on the other end, the Knicks at the end of the game in Madison Square Garden decide, basically, Jalen Brunson's not going to touch the ball. We're going to pretty much run through Julius Randle, and we're not going to attack whoever Jimmy Butler's guarding. He can barely move. At the minimum, you play him off the floor because he kind of got, he was able to buy time and do the little he did on offense, kind of practice his corner three in case he needs it. He could do the little he could do on offense because you didn't play him off the floor. That immediately should have been get the ball to whoever Jimmy's guarding and just let them go one-on-one at him. Catch your rip and go through. Play him off the floor. Two possessions of that back-to-back. Supposed to call a timeout, get Jimmy off the floor. Um, instead, you allow Jimmy Butler to, like I say, reverse Willis read you, where it's kind of like he just stood in the corner. It didn't do a whole lot of anything for the last five minutes of the game. And then uh, in the Heat still game one, uh, you come down into game two, Jimmy Butler's out. Um, and then there was a concern Brunson and Randall may miss for the Knicks. So ratings-wise, this could have went in a crapper uh, for the NBA. Luckily, Brunson and Randall played. And luckily for the Knicks, they played because the Heat was actually leading them at halftime without Jimmy Butler. Um, and the reason why Butler missed many of things is because he gets that basically week off. So they had a scheduling quirk because they started early. They had a two-day break between games one and two. And then a three-day break between games two and three. And they switched cities. That's the benefit of also winning your series fast because you start getting these big breaks in your series as opposed to because the... Warriors went seven. It forced the Knicks series to stay with the pacing to go every other day. Because the Knicks won in six. And the Knicks won in five. And the Heat won in five. They were able to get these big breaks in their series. So I say winning early has the advantages as well. You either get the break on the front end or get on the back end. Um, and so now, so now between game one and game uh, three, it's basically a week off. So now Jimmy Butler had a week off to get his ankle right. Reportedly, it was tied to a baseball at one point. That ain't great. But he basically gets a week off to try and get his leg together. Um, and he's, it's a lot better than it would be if he tried to force it through a game two. Now, I think it's a game six elimination or a game seven period. Jimmy Butler plays. But in a situation where we already stole a game, uh, you're going back home, have an opportunity to go back to New York up 3-1. Not worth risking his ankle uh, two days, 48 hours, 48 to 60 hours after the spring. But like I said, the Knicks almost blew it anyway. Jalen Brunson came up huge at the end of that game. Um, and the Knicks absolutely escaped. Um, game two, now they go back to Miami, like I said, tied 1-1. And now we're going to jump to the game of the most interesting series, the most anticipated series, the series everybody is looking at, and that is the Warriors and the Lakers. I am in this thing as a Lakers supporter. I'm a LeBron James fan. If you haven't realized, like I said, we're in episode we're on episode 11 of season four. If you haven't picked up the vibe that I like the Pelicans on LeBron, I don't know what to tell you at this point. 
especially if you've been here from day one. I don't know what to tell you at this point, but I'm a LeBron James fan. As you guys know, I'm fairly young. I turned 26 in a few days. LeBron's been in the league 20 years. There's, it's just, that's my guy. I'm going to be like the people that are 60, or that are 40, and swear that Michael Jordan is the greatest thing to ever lace up shoes. Or that are between that 40, between that 35 and 55 range, that are just Jordan fans, and they were in their 30s. They were in their 30s when Jordan was running the league and now they're 60. Or they were in their teens when Jordan was running the league. They have all these fond memories of Jordan. And then those are a little bit older than them. They're like, nah, but I ain't see Dr. J in his prime. <laughs> you know, like these magic guys, like Kareem people. Like, I'm going to be doing that with LeBron. I don't care. Don't care which throw means to go. Do not care. Whatever. Like, it's going to be me. All right? I'm a LeBron guy. So, whenever team goes to, I'm going to support that team. It is what it is. Like, I can look in my closet in front of me now, and I can see two of his jerseys sticking out at me. Like, I'm, I'm going to be a LeBron guy. I'm a LeBron fan wherever he goes, right? As a Lakers fan, as a LeBron, as a LeBron supporter, LeBron fan, Lakers supporter, I don't want this to be a long series. Get the Warriors out in five or six, please. As a as a media member, as a person with a basketball fan, oh, give me seven of this quickly. Give me seven. I order it seven games, seven of this before even seeing game one. Now after seeing game one, give me seven games of this. It was a show. Usually those late night games, I'll be honest, when it was like Denver, Minnesota, it was hard to stay up for those. I was anticipating Warriors-Lakers all day. It was halftime, and I'm like, man, let's do this. Um, let's do it. Like, let's give me more of this. It's like ejected into the straight into the system. Give me more of this. The game had everything. It had the contrast of styles. It's not like people talk about what would those like two thousand, what would those nineties teams look like in today's game? You saw it in game in game one. You saw the quintessential today's game team. One big, no driving presence, whole lot of threes in the Warriors. Versus the multiple bigs, people drive the lane, get to the line and shoot free throws, shoot the three, not really great at the three, but shoot them, bam. It's really not the 90s, maybe it's early, maybe it's mid-2000s. That Pistons, Spurs, Boston, Kobe second trips to the finals teams in today's game. Because you saw the layup of foul heat in today's game. Like you, you kind of saw to see the difference in the styles. And, of course, people immediately went, man, the Lakers shot 26 free throws. What do we do? The Warriors had three people make six threes. You're not going to shoot that many threes and match with free throw, free throw. You chose your battle. You did it. Sorry. You chose how you wanted to score. You shot uh, You shot a lot of threes if you're Golden State. Like I said, six people made, three people made six of them. So, three people made 18. Threes. Clay, Poole, and Curry. The Lakers, the team, made six. <laughs> the Lakers shot 26 free throws. I don't think the Warriors took 10 all night. Your points equal out. Right? You got the you got Curry making shots of the people. Jordan Poole taking advantage of a drop cover to Anthony Davis. Um, come out early. You kind of see it. It kind of develop. I mean, people used to do it to certain guys. But maybe not for the game. Kind of when the Warriors did it to Russ, people kind of were taking it now and running with it. Oh, um, they're just not guarding certain people. 
both people, they're both teams are just not guarding certain people on the other team. So the Warriors are just not guarding Jerry Vanderbilt. He's only on the court to chase around Steph Curry. Everyone knows it. He can't shoot. He's not really an offensive guy. He can cut and dunk. That's due to that length and quickness. But like he can't shoot. He's not an offensive guy at all. Like they're just not guarding him. On the other side, the Lakers are not guarding anybody on the perimeter that's not named Steph, Clay, or Poole. Eric Payton can shoot all threes he wants. Draymond Green can shoot all the threes he wants. Andrew Wiggins getting moderate respect, but for the most part, he can shoot all the threes he wants. Dante DiVincenzo can, like, these guys can shoot all the threes they want. No one's worried about it. And really, Golden State's going to play seven, eight people this series. They're going to play their starting five. Steph, Clay, uh, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney. And they're going to bring Poole. I think Moody got on the floor. Um, DiVincenzo, maybe. And that's going to be who comes on the floor. Like, it is what it is. Lakers are going to run their unit. You know, they went, I think they went 10 deep. Um... Again, maybe nine deep for sure, but maybe ten deep in game one. Like those are the contract, those are the contrasting styles. You got one team playing probably two thousand nine ish basketball, and the other one is playing twenty twenty three basketball. Two thousand nine basketball won it out. Um, and if I'm the Warriors, I'm nervous. I'm a little nervous. One, what does that dumb shot that Jordan Poole took do for his confidence? I don't care what people say. I don't. I've been arguing this point all day. I don't care. With over 10 seconds left, Jordan Poole shot a 30, 35-foot three. Basically flat-footed. It wasn't like he dribbled into it and pulled over momentum. He caught it and fired it. And he bricked it. And the Lakers made two free throws, and that was the ball game. Step up. Like, you're not really being contested. Catch the ball, take one dribble forward. Get into a rhythm and bang it. You probably make it. You make six already. At least six already. You probably make it. But you just catch it, turn, fire. And all that ultimately he missed it. Lakers secured a rebound. Schroeder makes two free throws. Ball game. Um What do you do for his confidence? Number two, what do you do about the length of the Lakers? Cause at one point they can go to their defensive tall kind of lineup. And it's Schroeder, it's Vanderbilt, it's LeBron, it's AD, and it's either Rui or Reeves. Like, what are you going to do about that? Lengthwise, you're not going to get taller. Um, You had three guys hit six threes. That's never been done in the history of the NBA, and you lost. And you really should have got punished because AD kind of back pulled off the gas a little bit in some of the shots. I'm going to run the rim shots that were falling in the first half weren't really falling in the second half. Like, you have a problem. The Lakers gave up like 23s and one. What are you like? What are you possibly going to do if you're the Warriors better? It's hard to get much better than what you did. Like, it's it's difficult. Like, you know, like it's a difficult endeavor to do what they do as a team better. The Warriors made 21 of 53 threes at about 40% clip. The Lakers went 6 of 25, a 24% clip. But the Lakers made 25 of 29 free throws. The Warriors made 5 of 6 free throws. So the Warriors won the three-point line 
Oh, man. By 45? The Lakers won the free throw line by 20. So that means they only, as though the Warriors are still between the free throw line and the layup, free throw line and the, um, free throw line and the three point line are still down 20. The difference comes in in points in the paint. The Lakers won it 54 to 28. Um, and it's just like, and also the Lakers blocked 10 shots. So think about it. The three-point shooting team got blocked 10 times. So they went down the lane and got rejected. I, it's going to be a great series. Jerry Vanderbilt hounded Steph Curry. Steph had a stretch. He scored like 10 in like three minutes. So the other 45 minutes, he scored like 13 on six of like 22. Um, Vanderbilt hounded him all night. Great move. I think keep doing it. Match it up and over. Style. Do it till you can't do it no more. And once you can't do it no more, we'll figure it out. Um, great move, great adjustment by Darvin Ham. This is gonna be an amazing series. Draymond Green is not being guarded in this series. LeBron James is like twenty percent or something like that from three, or twelve percent. Some outlandish number from three. He was like one for eight last night, and they still won. LeBron couldn't throw a brick in the ocean. The team shot six twenty five from three. Kevon Looney had twenty one rebounds, and he still lost by five. What are you going to do if you're the Lakers? What are you going to do if you're the Warriors? If you're the Lakers, you're pretty encouraged. First of all, you already stole the game. Now, that gives you confidence, but we just saw they did in Sacramento's home court. They won two. They won five and seven in Sacramento. But if you're the Lakers, you already stole the game. AD can destroy it whenever he wants to. Positive. Eventually, in your head, LeBron's going to have to start making shots. The team shot, after being a pretty decent three-point shooting team, shot six of 25 from beyond the arc. The Warriors made 21 threes against you and lost. Usually 20 threes is like it's a guarantee you're going to win. They made 21 threes and lost. But look at the three makes. Poole, Curry, and Clay combined for at least 18 made threes. Minimum. Because they all made at least six. And actually, if I look at the numbers right here. Yeah, they made 18 made threes. Wiggins made the other. Wiggins made one. Jermichael Green. Made the made the other two. Gary Payton, 0 for 2. Don DiVincenzo, 0 for 1. Draymond Green, 0 for 1. Andrew Riggins, 1 for 5. The plan is to just guard Steph, Clay, and Poole. But if you look at Steph, Clay, and Poole's shots, Steph shot 24, Clay shot 25, Poole shot 15. Like, those are going to be the ones that are going to shoot the ball. Um, and actually, look at that. I didn't even notice. So, I forgot about Jamal Green playing. But... Curry, uh, Steve Kerr went 10 deep. The Lakers went 9 deep. Um, but it's just like, you look at that, those two styles clashing, so far the Lakers won. And the Lakers had the more sustainable one. Because in theory, the Lakers are, if they shoot 12 of 25, they beat the Warriors by 20. Because that's 18 more points. They beat the Warriors by 20. I'm saying, so like, we're not even asking the Lakers to be this flame. They make four more threes, they beat the Warriors by almost 20. If they go 10 to 25, which is 40%, they almost beat you by 20 on your home floor. So the Warriors are in dire straits. Um, and it's pertinent to the game tonight as well with the Sixers and Nets. Sixers and Celtics, sorry. A game one home team has won 14 straight times. So if you lose in game one as a in the series as the home team, 
You have won game two 14 straight times. Why it's a must win? You can't go back to their building down 0-2. You can't. So the Warriors have to win tomorrow. The six, the Celtics have to win tonight. There's no way they can go on the road down 0-2. Yes, the Warriors came back from 0-2 last round. They lost both games and go to one center. And then they won both their games at home, stole game five, lost game six in their building, and stole game seven. It's a very weird series. They were very weird ending to the series. The last three games went the exact opposite of how the first games did. Um, and so it's a situation where the Warriors have to win game two. If they lose game two and they go back to this crypto.com rent, it's over in five. They may get swept. I got too much respect for Steph Curry to say he gets swept. It's over in five. They'll get game three, maybe. Or they'll, yeah, they'll stay off elimination. AD will sleepwalk through game three, and then they'll sleepwalk through game four, and then they'll put them on five. You know what I'm saying? But, like, they're going in five. They have to win game two. And then the other team in the same spot is Boston Celtics. They lost game one to the Sixers. And it's just where it was worse than the Warriors because the Sixers didn't have Joel Embiid. And you lost because James Harden turned the back clock a couple years and went for 45. Jalen Brown decided I'm just not going to shoot the ball in the last three quarters. He shot three attempts in the last three quarters. Even had a fast break and pulled it out, which is very anti-Jalen Brown. He's usually a very aggressive person, especially in the open court. He pulled it out. I don't know what's going on with Jalen Brown. I don't know if contract negotiations went left. I don't know what's happening there, but something's clearly going on with Jalen Brown. Um... I don't know if he's just looking at the fact that he wants his max contract and if you're not going to get let me go. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there, but something's going on with Jalen Brown. Now you add Joel Embiid back for game two. Um, and it's funny because Philly fans, talk, I know a few, they were saying, Embiid or not, we're going to lose because Boston had our number. And it's like, okay, playoffs are a little different. It always is. Um, and so you got game one, thanks to Harden turning back the clock. Now Embiid's on the floor in game two. Would you consider if you were Sixers sitting in B for game two? You already got the you already got the road game. It's called the same same conversation I'm sure people in Miami had regarding Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler's uh, ankle was a little way worse off than Joel's knee at, the, at this point. Um, but they decided to shut Jimmy down. Nearly stole game two again. And B's gonna try and give it a go in this game too. I hope he holds up. He's one of the best players in the NBA. Uh, speaking of one of the best players in the NBA, Joel Embiid, he is officially the MVP'd. Um, he is the 2022-2023 NBA MVP, the inaugural Michael Jordan Award. It was renamed, of course, in the big renaming and redesigning of the trophies. Uh, the MVP is now the Michael Jordan Award. So the inaugural and winner of that, of course, is Philadelphia 76ers Joel Embiid. He averaged a league-high 33.1 points per game this season, along with like 11 rebounds. Um, dominant player on both ends probably got the MVP many in the folk community like he probably got the folks MVP or the people's MVP last season um, and Jokic probably would have got it this season but they end up flipping the awards uh, no biggie MVP is MVP although one has the old trophy one has the new trophy that's about the only difference uh, so congratulations to Joel Embiid who didn't even start playing basketball until he was 15 came to the states at 16 was a 5 star recruit at Kansas his first practice almost went home because he got dunked on. Almost quit and went home. Missed his first two years in the NBA thanks to back injuries. Um, and injuries in general, but I think back injury was the main issue. And now he's uh, now he's the MVP of the league. Um, so kudos to Joel Embiid. Uh, Sacramento uh, GM Mike 
Herb. Jim McNair. I wrote the name down. I can't understand my own handwriting. My apologies. Uh, one executive of the year. Fading Suns owner Matt Ishbia goes kind of rogue against the NBA um, because he decides to kind of buck the Bally Sports deal. Now, you don't have to go to Bally Sports. Many of the team did. He bucks Bally Sports, goes into a deal with the local television companies, and basically takes the Suns off cable, puts them with the local broadcast television. And a very interesting and rogue move. Um, he's set to lose a little money, but he's getting a lot of access, a lot of eyes to his program, to his Phoenix Suns program, and hopefully the Mercury are included in that deal as well, so that way the Mercury and the WNBA can get more eyes. But up next, we're going to shift to the NFL and recap the draft and talk about what's going down in the offseason. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about the NFL, what's going down there. Of course, when we got about the NFL, it's the offseason. It's, uh, it's early May now, but of course, last weekend we had the NFL, or we can just pass rather, we had the, we had the NFL draft. Um, highlighted by, of course, Bryce Young going number one overall uh, to the Carolina Panthers. Now I'm going to scroll through some of these picks. Tell you what jumped out at me. Tell you, tell me what kind of caught me off guard. If anything in particular um, about the draft in general, we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, CJ Stroud going two in my mock draft. I had CJ Stroud going four to the Indianapolis Colts because I've been hearing smoke and fire. Been hearing smoke, heavy smoke coming out of there, but they weren't going to go quarterback this year. They were basically going to punt. Maybe look at a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. You know, next year in that class. They decided said to go C.J. Stroud this year. I think it was a good decision. I think C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback on the best quarterback in the draft. Um, Bryce Young went number one, and I think it was one of those situations where I call them had to picks. Bryce Young had to go number one. You cannot be the GM of the Carolina Panthers and go to David Tepper and say we're not going to pick Bryce Young. We're going to go to this other guy because you better be right. If Bryce Young's too small, if he flames out in two years, three years, whatever, you can look at your, you can look at your own and go, hey, boss, everybody would have picked Bryce Young at one. You can't get mad at us for going Bryce Young. Everybody would have went Bryce Young at one. You feel me? You can do that. Pelicans was Zion. You had to go with Zion because now the injuries are piling up and now you're on the hook for potentially a bad contract. You can go to your owner and say, Miss Benson, everybody would have picked. Um, everybody would have picked. Zion at one. You know, it's just a, you know, Victor Winbinyama. Like, whoever gets on one pick. If he's too skinny, he gets hurt, whatever, it doesn't work out, you can go, hey, everybody would pick Victor at one. You know, there's certain situations in Jadavion Clowney's draft where you have to pick these guys at one. The reason why is if that guy's a superstar, he is what you think he is, you're fired. Like, if the Pelicans went John Morant, I don't care what John Morant does. Zion Williamson's healthy, plays 70 games a year. He is that 28-8 guy, 56-something percent completion, 
60% field goal percentage, all-star, superstar, megastar, whatever, you're fired. You're gone. Your first mistake, you're gone. They're cleaning the house. Same thing with Carolina. It's hard to go to Mr. Tepper and say, hey, boss, really going to go with T.J. Stroud. Because Stroud's a solid, Pro Bowl, decent, Derek Carr kind of quarterback. Getting the Pro Bowl in the down year of a quarterback's middle-of-the-pack kind of guy. And Bryce Young is a number one pick style, superstar franchise guy. Win the Super Bowl early, that's what they, you're fired. And it doesn't matter. So Carolina went Bryce Young at one. CJ Stroud is the best quarterback in the draft. Um, he goes number two to Houston. Then Houston trades back up um, and, and comes, trades up with Arizona to go get Will Anderson at three. Huge move by them. Then Anthony Richardson goes up the board at four. Uh, Kyler Murray's team, the Arizona Cardinals, picked Paris Johnson. Two things why that's huge. Arizona wasn't drafting offensive weapons for Kyler. They wasn't. They were getting him in trading for agency, but they weren't drafting them. Kyler, reportedly, had requested certain people in multiple drafts be drafted. They were like 0 for 3, 0 for 4 in our draft. He requested Paris Johnson. They made the move down and then came back up to got to get Paris Johnson. Um, so big move by them. Very draft day style. Remember the movie Draft Day with uh, Kevin Costner? Uh, they had a high pick trade down. They came back up um, and ended up getting additional assets. It's quarterback Arizona did. They ended up getting Paris Johnson. Um, so huge for them. Um, Kyler Murray gets his left tackle of the future. The Ravens went Tyree Wilson, who's a guy that many were trying to say maybe the first edge off the board uh, when Anderson ultimately went there. But again, Will Anderson was another guy. If he's an okay player, He's the okay edge. You kind of go to your gym and go, kind of go to the audience and say, hey, man, everybody would have went with Anderson first. You know, like, first defense player of the board went Anderson. That's been the case since last year. Everybody would have went with Anderson first. You can't really blame us for that one. Um, and so that was Tyree Wilson go seven. B. John Robinson went a little earlier than many people expected. He ended up going eight to, um, he ended up going eight to Atlanta. The Eagles move up a spot and go get Jalen Carter just to make sure. Um, the first tackle off the board, second tackle off the board, uh, ends up being Darnell Wright out of Tennessee instead of Peter Skorinski, who went, they went back-to-back. Um, Jameer Gibbs goes 12 to the Lions. No one's seen that coming. Um, Christian Gonzalez stayed on the board for New England at 17. So New England was at 14 originally. Trade out of it. To give the Steelers 14 to go to then get Broderick Jones to tackle out of Georgia. The Patriots go down to 17 and stick at the best corner in the draft. And the crazy part about it was, he wasn't even the best corner picked. Washington picks Emmanuel Forbes above Christian Gonzalez. Devon Witherspoon goes 5 to Seattle. Emmanuel Forbes goes 16 to Washington. And the guy who's ranked, who's universally pretty much ranked as the number one corner, Christian Gonzalez, goes 17 to the Patriots, cornerback 3. Um, he's athletically a freak. He they do this athletic this relative athletic score is pretty much I think is the name of it. It pretty much rates you how athletic you are to your position, your height, your weight, whatever. So like a guy who's six foot six, three thirty offensive lineman moving close to the six foot three offensive lineman who weighs about 290, 280 and they're really close in terms of time. The relative athletic score. For the bigger guy, it's going to be better than the little guy because relative to his size, he's more athletic. Christian Gonzalez is a bigger corner. He's like 6'1-ish, 
um, pretty long guy. They've been doing this since 1987. They tested, um, oh, I forget the exact number, but something like 2,200 defensive backs um, since 1987. Christian Gonzalez ranked 13th. So that tells you, for his size and athletic ability, he's a rare combo. He's in the 2% of corners since 1987. He's a freak of nature athletically. He can cover. His hips are smooth. The fact that the Patriots grabbed him at 17 with a third best as a third corner is insane. Um, the Lions went kind of odd again with Jack Campbell. They overdrafted based on rankings, both of their guys, but the Lions went out, got who they wanted to get. Um, and, then the, and then the receiver run broke out. For the first time in history, four receivers went back to back to back to back. Jackson Smith and Jigba to Seattle. That's a hell of a receiving core. Um... DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Noah Fant. Uh, the Chargers go Quentin Johnston. Um, they end up going, you know, they go, they go Quentin Johnston. Uh, so they have Keenan Allen, Quentin Johnston. Um, I can't think of it, Mike Williams. Um, Baltimore, they keep beefing up their receiving core. They sign Odell Beckham. They're rumoring in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. They drive Zay Flowers. And then the Vikings go get a guy opposite of Justin Jefferson. They get Jordan Addison. Um, Dalton Kincaid. The Bills end up jumping the um, Cowboys and go and get Dalton Kincaid, which to me forced the Cowboys to scramble and get Mozzie Smith. Um, the Jaguars keep beef up the offensive line get Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. Nolan Smith continues the Georgia Pipeline to the uh, Eagles. And then, of course, Will Levis ends up being very highly picked in the second round. Uh, second pick of the second round, Will Levis to the Tennessee Titans. A lot of trade-ups early in the second round. A lot of people came up early at the start of the second and the fourth round. People were flying up to get their guys. Um, potential steal for the Patriots as well was Kayshawn Butte. He was a first-round great talent, but injured off the field concern. Dropped him all the way to the sixth-round pick. Um... Jaquil and Roy to the Minnesota Vikings could also be a massive steal for them. Um, it was it was a very interesting draft. Will Levis, like I said, fell. Ryan Tannehill said he's in deja vu because Malik Willis came in, reported took his job. He fought off Will. We fought off Malik Willis. Willis basically lost the locker room. Now here comes Will Levis, and now Tannehill's doing the exact same dance again to try and fight off Will Levis. Um, I think he does it, actually. I don't think Will Levis is that good at football. I think he's a taller Zach Wilson, in all honesty. I just don't think it works. I don't think it works for Anthony Richardson. Look, he's going to assist. He's going to place athletically. He's off the charts. But you have 58% completion in college in the SEC East. You weren't even in the West. You didn't have to play the murderous row of A&M, LSU, Alabama. Then pull out an East opponent. They, like Tennessee and Georgia's tough in the East. That's it. Missouri sucks. Vanderbilt sucks. I, I, I don't want to be cruel, but like Tennessee and Georgia, that's it. It's in the East. Then Florida. Vanderbilt, Missouri, terrible teams. Like, you didn't have the Auburn, Alabama, LSU, AM, Arkansas stretch. And you went 58% completion. Like, that's a problem for me. Bryce Young, man, that picture of him dapping up uh, Brian Burns came out. Oh my God! The Panthers should like get a cease and desist order. Brian Burns is six foot five. He looks seven foot two next to Bryce Young. 
Um, Bryce Young makes Kyler Murray look big. Like, it's bad. Like, and then in the draft, when he got picked, they were like, yeah, he's not over, he's not overly athletic. He doesn't have the over strong arm, strong arm. He doesn't have this, he doesn't have that. But he's just the number one pick, and he's just this intangible. What? Like, that's about, that sounds about as doomed as doomed could get. You went the number one pick isn't special at anything athletic. He's just a hell of a leader, basically. Why are you picking him at number one? I don't know. It's just, and he's going to Frank Wright. And who's Frank Wright ever developed? Like, it's just, it's a very interesting situation. In, the, in terms of this draft, I just, some of these pictures just head scratchers. Um, and that's, you know, that's every draft. I think the Rams did what they could in the draft. I think the Niners were in a bad spot. A lot of talent, not a lot of places to put people. They did what they could. I think the Pages had a great draft. Not just saying that the Patriots fans did. Legitimately had a great draft. I think the Saints had a pretty good draft. Houston had a draft. They got a cornerstone in. They got a cornerstone quarterback. The last time they had that was with Davion Clowney and Deshaun Watson. So good job on Houston there. Uh, I think Detroit can either be a boom or bust draft. Either they're smarter than everybody else or they're not. And they overdrafted. Um, not sure what the Packers were doing there. Kind of feel like they scrambled. I know they were doing there. Dallas, to me, definitely scrambled on that first-round pick going Mozzie Smith. Now, Mozzie's not a bad player, but to me, they definitely scrambled with their pick. Not sure why Buffalo traded up to get Dalton uh, Kincaid. They could have very easily um, gotten Michael Mayer to me. Dallas could have gotten Michael Mayer. Like, I don't know why Michael Mayer ended up in the second round. Um, Pittsburgh getting Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington, who's basically another offensive lineman, but he can catch and run. I think that could be huge for them. I think Darnell Washington could be a 10-year starter for them. Make a couple of Pro Bowls and All-Pro. Like, I love Darnell Washington. Six foot seven, 260 pounds. Throws around the sled like an offensive lineman. Has hands. Has mobility, especially for that size. Like, I think Darnell Washington could be huge. But all in all, a very fun draft. Um, the NFL reported 312,000 people attended the draft. It was very highly watched. Good overall coverage. Um, good work, NFL, as always. And we'll look forward to next year. Lamar Jackson got his money. Um, and many people wonder when Jalen Hurts got signed, myself included, with his help, I hurt Lamar. And I kind of took the position of, what does he want? If he wants Deshaun Watson's deal, Jalen Hurts not getting that hurts him. Because then they're going to look at him like, dude, these guys came off a Super Bowl setting multiple records. He didn't sniff Deshaun Watson's guaranteed money. But, if Lamar Jackson simply wanted to be the best, the highest compensated quarterback per highest paid quarterback annually and get a fat guarantee that's not the Deshaun Watson guarantee but gets like the next level under, the most guaranteed, I say, that helps him. Because now, now he can go to the management and say, I want at least this. You have to give me at least this. He can bring in the average annual value for Hertz and the guaranteed money of Kyler and say, beat these two and you got a deal. And so it turns out it was the latter, not the former. He was interested in just beating Hertz's deal when he did it. Um, he ended up going five years, $260 million max value with $185 million guaranteed against injury. 
It's the biggest contract ever negotiated by a person without an agent. Um, it is mom's representative, so his mom gets her three percent of the deal. Um, so shout out mom. She gets she gets her money now. now she's been negotiating all those contracts, so she's been getting her piece anyway. So I love Lamar did that um, because now mom gets her piece anyway. Uh, and now she's getting $7.8 million out of this contract over the next five years and then gets to re-up again with Lamar in probably three to four seasons, they'll re-up again. Um, and it's on, it's on top of the money she's been getting for him. So it's a way for him to get his mom her money. Her check comes every Tuesday too. I'm sure they set it up where 3% of it goes to her account. So when he rolls over and sees three or fifty million dollars divided by 17 he sees two point something million dollars or one point something million dollars she sees several hundred grand you know every tuesday kind of thing so it's kind of like that money constantly rolls in it's a way to keep his mom uh keep the money in the family pay his mom and not have to worry about giving her something on the side because she worked to get him his deal no uh, but like i said so great job by them using the jalen hurts contract you basically let the eagles and hurts negotiate uh shout out nicole lynn um, you, you let them negotiate the deal. You just beat it just by a little bit. There's your contract. Um, so it locks Lamar Jackson in uh, to the Ravens for the next five seasons. Um, and then, of course, you got some Packers news. Of course, you got Aaron Rodgers continuing to do exactly what he said he didn't do, which is remember that magical wish list that came out. It was like, yeah, get Alan Lazar, get Odell, be, get either Odell or DeAndre Hopkins, um, sign Randall Cobb. Get this, get that. And then you have me. Remember that list? And Aaron Rodgers came out and was like, I never did that. Nope. Never once mentioned it. And I specifically said, hey, Aaron doesn't have a great relationship with the truth, especially when it looks bad on him to tell the truth. So sometimes he may, uh, he'll play with his words. So remember, during COVID, he did, they asked him, was he vaccinated? He said he was immunized. And the NFL took it like he was vaccinated, and then he got punished like an unvaccinated player whenever he caught COVID or was in COVID contact. And everybody was like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not vaccinated? He said, no, 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 I'm immunized. The f- so now, here's the situation. Yeah, he, he tried to say, I never, he said, his response was something to the effect of, I never had a wish list, but I was asked by personnel. That's a wish list. Like, I just, like, stop trying to play games. It's a wish list. So now, Pretty much the last piece of that wish list is now, well, the last, to me, obtainable piece of that wish list is now on the roster. As the New York Jets agreed to a one-year deal with Randall Cobb, I never thought they'd get Odell. I think Odell tried to play the waiting game with the Jets, and then it just probably used the whole Aaron Rodgers leverage and lowball him when he got that big money from the Ravens he couldn't turn it down. And then, of course, um, there's the DeAndre Hopkins factor. They could trade for D-Hop, still a possibility. But they gave decent money to Adam Lazard. They got Randall Cobb. They picked up the tight end he wanted. Then they got him. Like, yeah, it wasn't a wish list, but every uh, personnel move he wanted reportedly happened besides Odell, which is they get D-Hop, call it even. Um, So, yeah, I don't want to hear anything from Aaron Rodgers' mouth about how um, he didn't have a wish list when literally the things he needed, he quote-unquote wanted, reportedly wanted, happened. Um, and then Jordan Love got a vote of confidence from the Green Bay Packers as his contract was extended by one year um, to go through 2024. So instead of the fifth-year option, he'll play on this extended contract. Uh, it's basically the same money. It's a one-year extension off the four years. 
Um, max value of $22.5 million with $13.5 million guaranteed. The fifth-year option would have been... Sorry, the fifth-year option would have been $20 million flat rate guaranteed. Um, and now, because they're at $13.5 million guaranteed, the Packers can move around the cap money to free up a little bit of the salary cap. Jordan Love still gets a two-year commitment as a starter. He still gets the opportunity to make the exact same money. Actually, a little bit upside now. He can go to 22.5 instead of 20 and it allows the Packers some cap flexibility. Um, and then it was, of course, it was right around the time that deadline, uh, right around the time the deadline for fifth-year options, exceptions, or the, accepts or declines. Um, Jordan Love would have been in this mix, but obviously got his deal reworked. But uh, the players to get their player option declined, um, Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, C.J. Henderson, Makai Becton, Javon Kenlaw, Austin Jackson, Caleb Von Chason, Jalen Rager, Kenneth Murray, Cesar Ruiz, Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen, Noah Igben, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, from the Dolphins, and then Clyde edwards Lair. Um, all did not get their player options, their fifth-year options picked up. Now, this is a double-edged sword. Obviously, you are, you are not guaranteed that $20 million or $10 million or $12 million, whatever your fifth-year option would have been, because that's a fully guaranteed year. You're obviously not guaranteed that money anymore. You're not. But, but, you get the advantage of you can go into the money and extend and go to true friends a year early and pay to get franchise tag and other, other stuff. Um, Deron Payne recently went to that Washington. They declined his fifth-year option. He ends up balling out. They give him the second biggest defense tackle contract besides Aaron Donald. And now they're playing the same game with Chase Young. He can go ball out. They may have to put gave him a lot of money to keep him out of that franchise tag game as well. Um... So it's, it's an opportunity. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I don't see him being back in Kansas City after this year, regardless. But what if he goes crazy? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if Chase Young goes bonkers? Like, these guys have an opportunity now to basically play their way into big money one year early. And it's big security money one year early. They can look at it that way. Um, hopefully get something done. And then the Washington Commanders um, now have new interest in a new stadium. So, Pretty much set multiple Virginia killed a bill to even consider trying to entice uh, the commanders out of DC into Virginia as long as Dan Snyder was attached. Now that Dan Snyder is selling, um, Washington, DC, Virginia, and Maryland, pretty much all in that little area, are all trying to put together pitches and proposals for a new Washington commanders facility and stadium in their states. So, Virginia, of course, Maryland, and DC are all in one little area, the DMV area. Um, obviously and so now they're all putting together pitches trying to for dc keep the commanders for virginia maryland pull the commanders so they're part of the dmv um bringing their revenue into their states and of course uh have host to the nfl team uh, so that would be huge for those areas but up next we're gonna have our best for last which is going to be a quick hit on dylan brooks
Welcome back into the show. And we're going to have our best for last. And it's going to be about Memphis Grizzlies wing Dylan Brooks. Should I now say former Memphis Grizzlies wing Dylan Brooks? Um, Dylan Brooks' Grizzlies obviously lost in six games to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, in the first round, they set up a house divided series between me and my wife. Um, she's a big time Warriors stuff Curry fan. I'm a LeBron guy, so our house is divided right now. Um, in terms of sports, we're uh, every every other night for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be on the opposite sides of the fence. We'll see how that goes, people. Um, it's been this way since you know our entire relationship pretty much. It's been got started during the LeBron. Um, Warriors battles originally, so it's been nothing, you know, whatever. But of course, Memphis Grizzlies lost to the Lakers in six. Dylan Brooks famously with the I poke Bears. I don't expect nobody to give me 40. Woo do woo He proceeds to crumble under the pressure. It's gonna happen. Dylan Brooks is actually a very solid basketball player. He had a bad series. He was an inefficient player, but he could score points. Um Showed it at Oregon. Showed it at Lynch Grand in Memphis. Showed it last year. He built up this persona, and people started to actually pay attention to it. The John Morant drew stuff, drew attention to the Grizzlies. Then Dylan Brooks started talking, started jab, started jawing. People started paying attention to Dylan Brooks. He come under the pressure. Shot in the mid-30s. Barely scored the ball. You know, they're losing six. Shoots 27% from three-point line. And he crumbled. And to be honest, he crumbled. To make matters worse, he dodged the media after every loss. They lost the game. So once the I poke Bears comment comes out the game two. Right? That's a winning game two. You tie the series up. Whatever. The Lakers win game three. Dylan Brooks ducks the media. The Grizzlies win game four. Dylan Brooks talks. The Grizzlies lose game five and six. Dylan Brooks ducks the media in both occasions. Or actually, you know, I may got the wins flipped. But regardless, he ducks in three of the last four games. He ducks the media. Either with I'm outs and he leaves, or in game six, he was out of the locker room for the media was allowed in. Ultimately, the NBA hits him $25,000 fine. Yesterday, a report comes out. I, I get some information. A report hits Sham Sharanya's phone. We tweeted out once at the same time. The Memphis Grizzlies told Dylan Brooks, you will not be returning under any circumstance. ESPN ultimately picks it up, but you will not be returning under any circumstance. Now, report came out today that the Grizzlies actually offered, uh, report came out late yesterday, Bleacher Boy hits. Dylan Brooks offered multiple contract extensions early in the year. Talks broke down. Now we're here. It comes out today, it was lucrative contract offers. To me, lucrative goes about $20 million a year. 18 points per game. Solid defender, young guy, enforcer type. That might can get you four years 100, but more than likely four years 80. We probably went in the range of four years 84, was probably the range of the offer. Dylan Brooks probably looked at a Tyler Hero's contract and probably said, no, I think I'm worth more than that. Now, ultimately, he's put a bad target on his back. The Grizzlies don't want him back. The Warriors are saying he's like, he made enemies with LeBron. He made enemies, well, potential enemies with LeBron. He's made enemies with Draymond. Um... And so he's he's an annoyance. He's an you know it's kind of Patrick Beverly. Like Patrick Beverly keeps getting jobs, but they're one year deals. They're low, earning ten million dollars. Like you know, great money, 
you get $10, $9 million, you make $90 million in the league. You know what I'm saying? So potentially great money, but you never settle anywhere. Your role never grows. You're always seen as that annoyance um, and that purposeless person. Uh, not purposeless, but that annoyance and that person who really, you know, is replaceable and kind of just there. You feel me? So you never get that role that you think that you deserve um, at all. Patrick Beverly spoke about being used as a fork and he's really a, being used as a spoon and really a fork, whatever the analogy was with the Lakers. Dylan Brooks reportedly had a quote that said he could have been used a little bit better. Like when you get to that point, it's, it's sort of like you get to a bad spot. And so I think Brooks is in that bad spot right now. Now, now, I will defend Dylan Brooks here. He wasn't the reason the Grizzlies lost. He wasn't. I'm going to be honest. He was not the reason the Grizzlies lost. He was not the reason the Grizzlies lost in six. Number one, the Lakers were the better team. After the trade deadline, the Lakers were the best team in the NBA. Record-wise shows it. They were the best team in the NBA with the best defense in the NBA. So, you know, that was not a bad Lakers team that lost to number one. Number two, Dylan Brooks did not have decided that series. You have at least three players better than Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies. You knew that coming in. Desmond Bain, John Morant, Jaron Jackson. They failed you. Also, the Grizzlies were injured. Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, the other two rim protectors and defenders, didn't play in the series at all. They both had injured. So, yes, Dylan Brooks jarring and chomping didn't help the case at all. Ultimately, it put a lot of pressure on the Grizzlies as a team because now they had to back up Dylan Brooks' word. Clearly, that have put a, a pressure on Dylan Brooks. He spoke about it after the one game he spoke about after the Poke Bears comment was, it's not him. The media is making him a villain. And they're booing him in pregames. And this is like, it was clearly getting to him and the Grizzlies. Um, because whenever the Grizzlies won uh, game, I believe that was game four, they're dancing. No, game five. They're dancing. They're cheering. Because... You know, they're looking at a situation where, you know, they, we have to because the whole world's against us now. We have to defend Dylan. And, and I said, I think they're, I think the Grizzlies leaked this to the media in an attempt to scapegoat Dylan Brooks and they're saying, man, if we didn't have Dylan Brooks, whatever. And it kind of feeds into Draymond's point on his podcast, during the Draymond Green show. He stated, he brought up, when he brought up Dylan Brooks' quote about how the podcast is cute and how, you know, Draymond, he don't like anything the Warriors do, anything like that. Draymond brought up the point of, use your team like you. He said some other stuff like, the dynasty, you took guys talking about dynasty, 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 a dynasty starts after you, not with you. Basically, once the team gets rid of you, sheds some fat, gets rid of some stuff, then um, they start winning championships. And so Draymond Green looks like a genius right now. Dylan Brooks looks like a damn fool. Um, and I don't think he should. I think the Grizzlies are... Kind of the Grizzlies are using his bad PR to place the blame on him and say he's not gonna back out in any circumstance. Leaking that to the media, like that should never be a quote I should know. You know what I'm saying? That should never be something Sham should be able to run with. I should be able to run with. Like, you're leaking that to media members. I'm not saying I got it from the Grizzlies. I'm not saying Sham got it from the Grizzlies. I'm just saying using common sense, Dylan Brooks side wouldn't put that out. Is what I'm saying. So why, why do we know that? Why as a fan, as a, myself in media, people as fans, why do we know that? You're scapegoating him. You're taking, you're taking, you're using his bad moment as a way to push him out and say, here's who you should blame. Go, Dylan. Ignore John Morant with the gun. Ignore Jaron Jackson not showing up. Ignore Dustin Bain disappearing for a couple games. Ignore the bench not being a thing. Ignore t- Taylor Jenkins' mistakes in this series. Dylan Brooks, 
go out there and take them. Take like that's not fair to him. I think he put Charlie on his back. I think he set himself up for this. I think in a situation where the Warriors were to lose, I think Draymond's gonna get some of this too. Like spoiler alert, Draymond, I think you're gonna get some of this too. Or or Jordan Poole, they're one of those two, if not both, are gonna get that. Oh, does Jordan Poole play this last game with the Warriors? His name's in trade rooms in the offseason. Draymond Green could be signed and traded to Dallas or the Lakers. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, some of the, like, this situation is going to happen to the Warriors, too. Especially if they lose to the Lakers kind of quick. I think they're going to lose. I think the Lakers are going to beat them in five or six. I think it's going to happen to Jordan Poole and Draymond. Don't tell them, no. And then you get a situation where Dylan Brooks is getting it in Memphis. I think D'Angelo Russell will get it with the Lakers. Especially with the Kyrie rumors for him. Like, I, you kind of see the scapegoat starting. Like, I think Phoenix, they're going to get Chris Paul. Warriors is Draymond. I don't think Denver's going to lose, but this series anyway. Warriors is Draymond or Poole. The Lakers are going to be D'Angelo Russell. For the Celtics, it'll be, for the Celtics, it'll be uh, Brown. For the Sixers, it'll be probably either Tobias Harris or Maxie. For the Knicks, it'll be Julius Randle. And for the Heat, it'll be uh, Bam Adebayo. Like, like, the, like the scapegoat guys, it's pretty obvious. And so I think the McGrivers are pushing Dylan Bush out as a scapegoat guy. Um, it's unfair to him, but he brought it on himself. Um, I think he'll land. I mean, the the Beijing Tiger, Beijing Shark jokes. I mean, they're funny, but I think I think he'll land in the NBA. Somebody give him a two year, thirty million dollar deal, or two year twenty. Maybe get some one year, twelve million dollar deal with some incentives in it somewhere. I think he's a contribute. I think he can't contribute to a team. I just don't know where. It's gonna be an interesting fit. Like uh, Detroit, maybe. I don't know. They'll figure it out. Um, but I think he has a decent NBA future ahead of him. I just think he put himself in a bad spot, in a spot he wasn't prepared to handle. So hopefully he learns from this, grows from this, um, and that he moves on and he goes from there. But that is all we have for today. Very NBA, NFL heavy show. Um, we'll start to get into baseball a little bit more coming soon. They're around the, they've rounded the quarter pole or nearing the quarter pole. Um, nearing that first month couple months really um so we'll get into baseball uh pretty soon for sure so gotta give you guys standing updates and stuff like that um but again that's all we have for today's show like rate subscribe and share on itunes spotify wherever you get your podcast and don't forget to follow the social media handle at jtime sports i repeat at jtime sports for all your breaking news updates and highlights um so definitely keep up with that um this is your host justin jackson signing out